Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get to the podcast at hand, I just want to encourage you guys to go listen to the last episode on, um, I believe it was probably Pompo, um, but um, you can also listen to the Sunday edition on something for everything. For everyone, and that means that the last third day edition was Pompo. If you haven't seen Pompo, you can, I think it's for sale on DVD, on Blu-ray, not DVD, Blu-ray and digital, and you can definitely go check that out, maybe rent it from iTunes. It is worth your time. Um, The other thing I want you to check out is kind of a precursor and like a midpoint between Pompo and our topic today. And that is the Sunday edition, all about just a huge variety of content that there is in the anime medium. There's basically something for everybody. Anything that you're really looking for, you can find in anime. Um, So if you're new to this podcast or new to anime, definitely go hunting. It's out there for you, trust me. But on that note, I want to jump right into what we're talking about this week, and that is a little movie um, called Bubble. Now, just for a little background information here, I want to set up Bubble with a few just release facts. So it actually released in the U.S. on the exact same day as I think I went to go see Pompo in theaters because Pompo was and it were kind of releasing at the same time. And the reason why I covered Pompo first instead of the big thing, the big anime film on Netflix that everybody could watch from the couch will become um, clear over the course of this podcast. But this was a movie by Studio Wit. Um, It was the producers were Warner Brothers, which is interesting. Warner Brothers Japan, which is interesting, but not odd. Um, It's probably the most interesting thing about that is that Warner Brothers 
probably made this deal before HBO Max was such a huge, weird thing, or else this might have gone to HBO Max. Um, but also, HBO Max is a weird fit for anime that's not um, pre-existing agreements from something like Studio Ghibli or um, from before Crunchyroll was purchased by Sony. But on that note, the reason why I'm setting Bubble up against Pompo is really because it if you've watched both movies, Pompo will probably win. Because Pompo is just the better, more interesting movie. And I hate to say that because and they're both beautiful they're both equally beautiful also, I wanna be clear. Pompo is beautiful in its choice of artistic style for the whole movie and its choice of visualizing things that aren't usually thought of as being intensely visual things to watch. I mean, that movie that movie makes it cool to watch a, at least a solid couple minutes of that movie. Um, it devoted to just a guy sitting editing like editing video on a computer and it's kind of riveting which is a really great feat it's like a light yagami eating chips out of a bag scenario almost and it's great actually it's better than that and lots of things are better than that but that's that's the way it kind of it is in that vein is what i will say but Bubble is, so let me just jump off here. Bubble is less of a what if and more of a we want to get to, and more, it feels more like the studio wanted to get to, meeting Studio Wit, wanted to get to kind of a thing they've become known for, if that makes any sense. So before Bubble, Studio Wit was known for animating Attack on Titan. And before Attack... And at the same time, they're um, known for animating Attack on Titan. They're known for animating Compinary on the... Uh, in the Iron Fortress. And the link that all of these odd things have isn't dissimilar. So Bubble is a movie all about, like... Park, all about parkouring teens. If you kind of simplify out Attack on Titan, that's a very similar premise. Like, they all use the 3D movement gear and they, you know, parkour all over their city. All, all, all over much of the world, ultimately. And then, of course, same thing is true of Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. The joke when Cabinary was coming out was Kavanari is Attack on Titans tr brought to you by Train Chan. Like, it, it, people called it Attack on Trains. And it was not, it was not unwarranted, honestly. But, um, and notoriously, I believe Studio Wit took a huge amount of time off from Attack on Titan to make Kavanari the Iron Fortress. So that was, that was not fun. That was, like, that huge gap year between seasons one and two of Attack on Titan, where everybody was like, this thing is going to die on the vine, and then it definitely didn't. But the 
Long and short of it is that the reason why I chose Pompo before I chose Bubble, because Bubble, this movie, is arguably more popularly available than Pompo was or is, because you still have to, like, pay to rent Pompo, which I encourage you to do. But if you have a Netflix subscription, you can turn on Netflix, you can turn on Bubble, and you can spend an hour and 40 of your life watching Bubble, which is not a bad choice. It's a gorgeous movie. But it feels like so many other anime movies. And I noticed this going through it. So, a pretty typical trope for not just anime movies, but like Shonen Jump anime movies. Going all the way back, I'm sure farther. Actually, going all the way back to... Um, the first Naruto movie, um, Ninja, Ninja Clash in the Land of Snow, is like a Rescue the Princess movie. And it, it's, a, it's a big heroic tale, it's easy to tell, it's, it's an easy framework to slot characters into and go. The big draw for Bubble is not its plot, it's the kind of animators go hog wild getting to animate like a great thing that lends itself to animation and that is the kind of freedom of movement and insane movement of like seriously awesome parkour if you don't know what parkour is it's basically building jumping um done by serious done seriously by humans it's a it's like a it's like a street sport almost is what I would describe. And the way they set this up is, is they set up this, uni- this version of the universe where a where all of a sudden, for no particular reason, that anybody can discern. And this is what I'm going to mark as actually issue one of this movie. Um, for reasons no one really quite figures out in the movie uses being concerned with figuring out as like a framework to get to its point. Bubble, bubbles, like bubble, it's almost like somebody used a giant bubble gun all over the world. And all of a sudden these bubbles start falling from the sky everywhere in the world. And everybody's like, what the fuck? Why, why are we being, like, blanketed in bubbles for no reason? And the world like, okay, that was weird. And then it never kind of happens again. But what does happen is the city of Tokyo is a giant bubble descends on the city of Tokyo. And... The city of Tokyo becomes, like, encased in this giant bubble that functions as a dome and had all of these issues happening because all of a sudden, like, a giant city was going about its day and all of a sudden bubbles were falling from the sky. What the fuck was happening? And a bunch of stuff exploded, basically. Um, this And that whole thing had to has a big vibe of like, oh, this is the kind of anime we can make when we've had like 
world-scale terrorist events happen now. Though it's big, like, 9-11-esque imagery in all the footage of, like, when the bubble showed up. Which is appropriate and, and makes total sense to me. But it, it just struck me as, like, oh, this is what this looks like. This is what... This is playing with the same kind of imagery that something like a Terror in Resonance or something like a Gundam Double O when the um red when the red particles when the red um like engine particles drifted over people and like made it so they couldn't have kids. Um which is a plot point in that show actually. It's that Gundam Double O had a lot of really interesting things to say. Maybe you don't say them the best all the time, but it's interesting. Um, but that's really what the kind of language you're speaking in the, in those moments. And then they fast forward to an interesting consequence, to, to a genuinely inter- interesting consequence and an interesting premise for why all these characters are in the same place. And and why this this specific makeup of characters has occurred. So after the big bubble surrounded most of Tokyo, it it had an effect on the area and hey, everybody got the fuck out. Like the UN was like, "No, this place this place probably ain't safe. Like we'll send researchers in, but because they want to go, but like this place ain't safe." You gotta leave. And so people got the fuck out. Also, it had been through like a made. It had been rocked to its core, the city. It was not really habitable. Like buildings were in half and shit. So everybody was like, nope, just leaving. And so the general populace left. But the people who started showing up, aside from two researchers, um, one name, one whose name is, I believe, um, it, there's a, there's a f- female researcher named, um, Makoto, and I forget the, I forget the guy's name, but there's a, there's a male researcher also. Um, but all of these young boys who had been abandoned by their families started just kind of gravitating towards this this thing and this this part of the world so you have a like you have a real lost boys vibe happening which is kind of cool and it the other thing about this area is that it is a zero gravity it's not a zero gravity zone but the gravity gravity is lowered in once you're within the bubble and so what these boys have, what these, like, tribes of young boys have taken to doing is they've taken to, um, forming teams and running these parkour races that, like, go across the city and make use of the, gra- the gravity distortion because there are some cases where, like, a crumpled car is, like, floating down the street or something. Um, and they run these races. And these parkour races 
are basically for bragging rights and they're like a way to settle disputes and trade food back and forth and all this stuff. It's it's a very like young boy bravado bullshit way to like settle to like settle up kind of thing. And if I, it's here where I want to bring up what this movie doesn't do that I think would it, would give it more life outside of itself, but would also help you feel more invested. If it doesn't, is this movie starts and stops at a bunch of things? I've already told you one. It's it starts at why are the bubbles here? Like what what happened? What the fuck happened? And then they never really tell you. Another thing they start at is these um, characters called the Undertaker. This team called the Undertakers, and they are basically a corporate sponsored parkour. The corporate sponsored parkour team out of I think it's there's three teams that you meet, and these three teams. Oh, like the the blue fires, the mad lobsters, which is they made a Rufio from Hook in this movie, and it's fan fucking tactic. I'm not kidding. When you see this motherfucker, you're like, oh, that's Rufio from like the '90s, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then there are the 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 Danky ninjas, but the Undertakers are making money from the outside world, which, from what you can tell, does not particularly help once you're in the bubble, so to speak, because they, like, have a barter system set up, and there's, like, two adults, maybe. Actually, there are confirmed two adults. There may be more, but, like, the two adults that you see in the movie. And they... They have a corporate sponsor, so they all they have all this weird tech. Like they've got a drone, they've got these fancy special, like shoes that propel them through the air with like water shots, and they they play really dirty, and they kind of don't explore like who's supporting them, what they're like take looks like, why they want to make money in this whole scenario. It's a really weird, fucked up nightmare of a thing. And, the, and at some point, they are like the main antagonist of the movie and then the movie does like a Elreka 7 like high fidelity like like oh, like those weird Oreca Seven, um, those weird new Oreca Seven movies level twist was like no, they're not the bad guys. This thing is the bad guy, and it it does such a poor job of explaining itself, of like giving you reason to be invested, and that on top of like the. Generic save the princess from another world plot really makes you like 
stare at this thing and be like, I wish I had feelings about this, but I really don't. And the, our main characters in this really are the main character, Hibiki, who is a... who's one of the members of, like, one of the parkour teams. Who's the, one of the best me- members of the parkour teams, like, in Tokyo. And his unique... The unique thing to him is he's the only person who can actually land and bounce off of a bubble. So, the bubbles at this point have, like, stopped falling all over the world. They've disappeared. Except for in Tokyo, where they kind of fall eternally. And they fall at all, like, sizes. So if a bubble gets big enough, you can technically, like, land on it and use it to propel yourself somewhere else. But nobody really does that because Hibiki is the only person who's ever done it successfully. Nobody knows why. And they don't really explain why. Once again, this movie is sorely lacking in explanation. And the fact that you get dropped into it media res and they do the movie thing of like halfway through the movie explaining what the fuck happened to this place really gets me to what I think this movie really is. And that is a really cool animation experiment. Because when I... When I was an animator, we used to do these things, and then you still do do these things, you see these things a lot, and most likely where you see them in anime is, um, anime openings, openings or endings, more openings than endings, and that is a way of working called an anajam. So what an anajam is, is each person, each successive person animates one cut. And the goal is to get to, like, 30 minutes or, like, 2 minutes or whatever the, like, a 5-minute anajam is not uncommon. But you have, like, 10 people and, like, every and it's divided up evenly in terms of seconds between people. And so, like, you... That way of working means that you, like, get to experiment. You are... You're given something that you have to turn into something that you like, and then you give that off to somebody else who has to do the same. So, like, oftentimes in, especially student anagrams, you'll get, like, the weirdest shit that went, the weird person that went before you just made the weirdest shit, and you're like, what do I make this into? Like, I turned something into a turtle in a top hat smoking a pipe just walking around. One time in an anajam, or um, and it's meant to stretch you creatively. It's meant to stretch you technically because you've got to like, you've got to take what you're given and turn it into something that you want to do, and then you've got to like hand that. But you've got to also know that it needs to be hand offable to another person. A great, very recent version of this is um, you look at something like. On the lesser side, the um, the new Space Jam with LeBron James. But on the like very recent side, if you look at something like the um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, spoilers for this movie because literally in theaters right now. I saw it yesterday night, but at the time of recording this, rather. But there's a scene in that where he's falling with him and another character are falling through. 
different multiverse universes. And every universe is like a drastically different thing. Like they fall through a cartoon universe. They fall through a universe where they are like CGI animated liquids. And every time they pass through a new one for maybe two seconds, some you can tell something else is in charge or someone else in the CGI department is in charge. So that's a great example of what an anagem looks like. And like what that, and that process is probably intensely collaborative. It's probably like, okay, what are some like two second ideas for a universe that don't, they don't need to make sense. Just like throw out, throw out your crazy shit. Let's go. The reason why I bring that up is because Bubble is less of a, it feels less like a movie made for entertainment and more like a movie made for art's sake. And I imagine it had done pretty okay for Netflix because anime fans tend to like that kind of stuff. We like like big, artistic, weird things. It's part of the reason why anime fans love Sakuga and it's and many anime fans follow their favorite animators throughout their career and you know follow their favorite voice actors throughout their career for the reason for the reason that we love that creativity. And um, I was thinking earlier earlier this week, I was, in, um, I was in Michael's because I made some bad choices. The only reason, it, as an art student, the reason why you're in Michael's is never good. <laughs> as a former art student, the reason why you're in Michael's is never good. Like, unless you're buying one of those cool ass, um, like, circuit die cutting machines why are you why are you in michael's you can do you can buy one of those machines online don't don't fall for it don't don't let that be you is what i'm saying but the i was like standing in the checkout line and i was like admiring the weird candy <laughs> the very weird candy and i noticed there was a lot of like Japanese brand candy brands and all I thought was like oh yeah that's definitely left over that's definitely a vestige of the manga drawing of the how to draw manga boom of my youth where like I picked up cartooning for the first time and, ma and many kids picked up cartooning for the first time and many people did nothing with it I clearly did something with it um I still draw every day and all that stuff but that is to say, anime, like many other creative industries, is full of people who like quietly love what they're doing. And it's part of the reason why anime can pay so shittily and get away with it, honestly, is because there are people who are willing to do what they love for no money. So some money is just the way it's gonna be because somebody's greedy somewhere but on that note that's where this movie really shines and that's where this movie is doing things that like pompo doesn't do in that it may have a pretty stock standard story but it doesn't have a stock standard visualization there are some 
CGI choices that they made that I get, but they make they make them. But they don't hurt the movie because this movie is I wouldn't call it a vibe. Um, but it has such a style going for it and it's such a like love of movement and of animation and of like bodies and motion that is so kind of intrinsic to animation as a medium that it it like makes you have fun watching it. It makes you sit there in your home theater setup, which I've got a home theater. If you don't, I've got a um you can go listen to the Sunday edition all about how to set up your home your own home theater on literally any budget. <laughs> like you can get a forty dollar projector and a laptop and go to work. Um but the long and short of it is that like you sit here you sit there and you go, Oh wow, they're having fun with this. And like something like Pompo where they clearly love making it and it's a love letter to by the way, you can go listen to Pompo that the um episode that the last Thursday edition in the feed, it's worth your time if you're on the fence about going see that seeing that movie. Um, definitely go listen to that podcast first. But because Pompo is trying to like get to a story, they do really interesting things to get there, but they still try and get that story. What Bubble has going for it is that it's like unconcerned with its story allows it to function in the same way that, like, a Shonen Jump movie does. But also, Shonen Jump movies have... Shonen action movies, Shonen action anime movies, have something going for them. Because they're... Because they are related to a series. What they're basically doing is they're pouring budget into that series and they're saying... Look at this, look at this big screen version of, like, Kakashi. Look at this big screen version of Hitsoka. Look at, or even something like the, um, the Review Starlight movie coming out. That's a big opportunity for you to see your favorite idol girl from that show on the big screen. And in that way, the plot can be secondary. What... Bubble is has going for it is something less fandom based than that. It is the artistic like majesty of like, yo, what if we got like really really good looking cool bodies doing really good looking cool acrobatics like over a fucked up version of Tokyo that just that just oh yeah, oh yeah. Fill that shit with bubbles. <laughs> and that's kind of most um, exemplified. I gotta find the character name. Um, by one character who, become, who becomes a Chekhov's gun pretty quickly. And that's the, um, that is the, that's the male researcher. Um, let me see if I can't find him. But in, um, in addition to Makoto, 
the like this like young female researcher you meet this you meet this male researcher who you led to believe for a period of time was a was one of these like lost boys running these races and he got critically injured and left and came back as a researcher. Not necessarily just to research, but to like look over these kids. Like you, in the movie, he's the guy who like fires a flare gun to start all the races. He's the one who keeps an eye on everybody and says like, this person needs rescue. This person like, this person is stuck. Go get him. And like he's helped organize this thing so these kids can still have tons of fun, but it's like a it's a less unsafe fun, is what I will say. Like, he's, he's not about making them stop. He's just about making it, like, like setting up a rescue crew. <laughs> like, oh, you're not racing today? Okay. Hang out in the speedboat. Somebody falls in the water by the death vortex, because of the death vortex. You're going to have to go get them. <laughs> cool? Cool. And the... The kind of finale, like, parkour piece that they have is, starts with that character. He said, um, Makoto's like, hey, don't you want to, like, still do this thing? Don't you want to still race? And he, and he just said, like, yeah, I think my, um, I think my days of that are over. And he, like, motion, he, like, motioned to his leg and you see this, like, kind of stock standard prosthetic leg. And I can tell you the first leg you see, the pretty stock standard, like, mass-produced prosthetic leg that just, like, does the job. It's not, it's not custom-made, not nothing, trust me. At the end of the movie, once the, once the Undertakers, like, forfeit their cool rocket shoot, their cool rocket jump shoes... And like they're they're racing towards the the damsel in distress princess. They they inter they reintroduce the like the scientist guy, and he's got this custom leg that's built for f- hardcore parkour, for lack of a better term. And it's this fun, cool, really detailed Sakuga filled moment. Of him just killing it for like a good amount of time, and like they show his leg like break apart, and that's another moment. That's another one of the many moments of this movie where you can tell they love doing. They love doing this. This was so much fun. This was like. I love what-if concepts. Um, and you can, you can see what-if what if concepts all over anime. I think, they, I think if executed right, they can make for great stories. And they're a great open-ended question that can keep going. And oftentimes, you can even look at... Um, especially DC superheroes. Like, what if there was a guy... With a ring that could make anything. 
what would what would that look like? And they like stretch that out, and you get Green Lantern and the Green Lantern Corps, and you get like all this other stuff. Um, and the, DC's actually great at this because they get to the what if, but then they also keep going with it. So um, I heard something about um, speedsters, the concept of like super fast mutant people in different universes and this was in relations to um I just was a TikTok video actually um it was in relations to a to that show the boys um a train that that shows version of the flash like m- minute one of that show he runs through a person like that's the inciting incident for that show for for um the for the Show the boys on it on Amazon Prime. In DC, they answer the question of like, why the fuck doesn't the Flash just run through people like A Train does in the beginning of um, the boys? And they went into that and they answered that question because they were like, oh, if he's going that fast and he like hit another person, it would be bad. Um, they also have the Flash World Punch to shit out of Lex Luthor so hard his body almost disintegrates. So, there's that. But, and there's, there's all this, like, explanation as to, like, internal versus external force of speed, all this other stuff. And it's a cool thing, and because you put that what-if question on the table, you could, like, run with that. As the open-ended question. What Bubble is doing is different. But its biggest flaw is that it created this what-if this what if question to get to the place where they wanted to have the like cool animation things they were planning on doing. And the other thing that, they, that their big issue is... They don't have the advantage of, say, a shonen, a shonen anime action movie that's linked to a series like Bleach. So if you look at the first Bleach movie, um, Memories of Nobody, who, that I've actually covered here on the podcast, you can definitely go listen to that episode earlier in the feed. That movie's beautiful. And they they kind of did the reverse version of this concept in that they... Started with a what if question, and they answer and they answer that what if question ultimately. Like the whole movie is about answering who this random girl is. I forget the um random girl. That's it. And they like use the budget moment to like really knock it out of the park with the animation shots. But because they have also like. Ichigo and the gang to put on screen. You're also there because it's the first Bleach movie. It's the first time they get unlimited budget. It's Bleach at the height of its power. Let's go. And this movie doesn't have the backing of... This movie is an original anime movie. So it doesn't have the backing of like seeing characters you love. And it doesn't have 
the backing of really being interested in its what if question other than what that concept can do logically for the world of the movie to get you to cool parkour animations. So once that all falls away, all you have is the cool parkour animation part of it. And it's gorgeous. The coloration of the movie is gorgeous. There's like a main song that drives the soundtrack. That's beautiful. The like composition of this whole movie is beautiful. It's all really good looking. But it all... It all falters because it doesn't have a good story. And it it doesn't have a good story and it doesn't have... With the exception of its main character, of the main character, um, Hibiki, who they um, actually expand upon pretty cleverly. He ended up being having ultra sensitive hearing. This is a and this is a real thing, by the way. Like you can unfortunately be born with hearing that requires you wear full cup noise canceling headphones at all times. Because your ears are tuned to 11 so hard that, like, you can hear people whispering three blocks away. And you can hear that all the time. And that can be maddening. Like, having that amount of noise in your head constantly. It's like, people, like, people like that have issues sleeping. They have all kind. they have all kinds of problems. There was a, um article a couple of years ago, I think in the Times, about a guy who lives in New York with his parents, in his parents' townhouse, because, and he, like, never leaves the house, because, and he, like, walks around the house with, like, construction worker headphones on, because he, like, his hearing is so intense that he can't take it, and he used to, like, work in a noisy kitchen, and all of a sudden, one day, he, like, it caused him physical pain. And they go into that for Hibiki. And they also do the thing where, like, the heroine has always been pining after Hibiki ever since Hibiki was a child. And she was a child. And she was, like, a small bubble child. And, like, she's an alien. And, like, her sister is a bad guy. It's a lot. It... I think this movie could have spent could have spent more time explaining itself and then you so I'm gonna I came to this just now but I'm going to advocate for something I don't advocate for very often I'm going to say that this movie needs more time it just needs more run time because it needs more time for you to spend with the characters and get attached to them. It needs more co- time for characters like um, the lobster guy. What's his face? Um, the guy, the the Rufio guy, um, Kanto, to feel more like the characters they feel like and less like just like side gag characters, like weird sight references. 
it needs more time to explain what the fuck is happening to the world of this movie that they that they that they start they start doing all of these things but they don't they don't keep up with it because they don't have the time to at a 1 hour 40 minute runtime like it this movie has to move at a breakneck pace to make that happen I know this sounds insane, but it's true. And the other thing I think this movie had going for it is the character Uta, the like, this like alien bubble, this alien girl made entirely of bubbles who shows up is a great character design. It's like a fabulous character design. And the entire credits of the movie are almost like early 2000s-esque visual depictions of her, like seeing different like sites in Tokyo, in, in modern day Tokyo, not fucked up Tokyo, um, like the movie had. And if you've ever seen Video Girl Eye, or like Video Girl Eye or, or something like Oh My Goddess, where, like, a lot of the point of that is, like, languishing in the, like, visuals of these characters just doing everyday shit. That's kind of what it, what the end credit visuals of the movie convince you was a big inspiration for Bubble. It's like, they came up with this gorgeous character design. And the movie kind of built out from there. And I just it just the whole the whole thing strikes me as this like the whole movie strikes me as this beautiful looking and I don't wanna make this movie sound like a disaster, because it's not. But this beautiful this beautiful saying that the only point of it is its visual beauty the everything else about it is kind of wanting is what I would say and like I said when I was when I was presented with okay Bubble and Pompo have come out at the same time like on the same day they're released Pompo in the theater then Bubble on Netflix I knew the problem would be more people will see Bubble than will see Pompo because of the barrier to entry of needing to go to a big city movie theater to see this movie, to see Pompo. And I was actually planning on doing this podcast first, doing the Bubble one first because it would be the more popular one because more people will have statistically been able to see Bubble. But then I saw both movies. And like I keep saying, Bubble is gorgeous. It's worth your it's worth your time just for the visuals. And it's got good moments. But it doesn't have excellent moments. It doesn't have doesn't feel necessarily like it had excellence there outside of its artistic merit. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I am saying that, like, 
you need more than that. <laughs> like, it, this this feels like a shonen action movie with the serial numbers filed off. It's really where I'm getting to. And um, on that note, if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday and every other Sunday now. Um, and just so you guys know, I've been including with the Sunday podcast a trivia question. Sometimes a trivia question and a poll, but always a trivia, oh, not a trivia question, always a open-ended question that you can go answer over on, I don't even think you need to, I don't think you need to listen to the podcast on Spotify, but you can go to Spotify, to the Spotify podcast, to the podcast page on Spotify, and there'll be a question there for you to answer. Um, I've been including those just because I think that will, like, help the conversation and help let me know what you think about stuff I talk about on the Sunday episodes, and those Sunday episodes are more about the industry, about, you know, anime as a fandom, and anime as a medium, as an art, all that stuff. Um, so go check that out. Um, third day editions are more like this. They happen literally every week. Um, they are about a show, a movie, occasionally a manga, also occasionally a live action show. But on that note, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. I will talk to you next Thursday.